Welcome to the Yellow Brick Therapy Podcast. My name is Jenny Helms and I'm your host. I am also going to be the speaker, not really interviewing myself, but just talking on a topic that is dear to me in the eating disorder community. We've had a couple of podcasters have to reschedule due to being sick in the holiday season, which is totally understandable. So usually around holiday seasons, I'm very much in the mindset of, you know, self-care, not only for you guys, but also for, you know, for practicing it myself. So if I miss a week or two here, um, that is probably just very likely for this specific holiday season with Christmas and New Year's and specifically for me because I go out of town to visit my family. Otherwise, I plan to be on a pretty strict schedule of weekly podcasts because I really enjoy doing this. So thanks for hanging in there with me. And I'm really excited about today's topic. So I'll actually be reading a piece to you that I wrote for Wichita Mom's blog. And it was based on um, having a lot of parents in my own therapy practice asked me the question of, you know, what can I do to prevent this? What can I do? Is there anything I could have done? And that's a really hard thing to answer. I definitely think there's things we can do as a society to um, reduce the risk factors of the things that kind of conglomerate to create the eating disorder for a person. And so that's what I'll be talking about today is the specific things we can prevent. Now, we also know for eating disorders, there's a big biological and genetic component, and there's other parts of personality traits that combine with that and family system stuff. So it's not saying that even if you do all of these things perfectly that you know your kiddo or somebody you care about won't develop an eating disorder, but you're just giving them the best opportunity not to. So I do want to preface that with saying like, I mean, it's really tough because even if you do all of these things, it doesn't mean that somebody won't have a susceptibility to it. The other part of this too is it's not just for people with eating disorders. I just think about negative body image in general. And I think as a culture, we have an abnormal view of body image and we think it's kind of normal to um, hate our bodies. While there's some normalness to that, like I think, you know, maybe having a little bit of body disliking is okay, but I would say most of us have it to the point to where we would want to change things about ourselves or don't put ourselves out there or it really just inhibits us in different ways that are really, you know, when you really think about it, you know, the body isn't that significant when it comes to those things. And so I do think that as a culture, we need to work on really getting, I guess what I would term realistic about how much our body matters when it comes to interviews or putting ourselves out there and our worthiness because our body doesn't define us. And um, I mean, I know that, you know, beauty is appealing to humans and I'm not going to, you know, be unreal about that. There are certain things that we are, are attracted to naturally, but the emphasis that we put on it and the significance, like the percentage of how much we think that matters is usually way too high than what it actually does matter. So for instance, you know, they know that people with eating disorders specifically will put like an 80% of their self-worth is based on their body image and how they feel about their weight. And that's, that's insane. Like 80% of our lives is definitely not determined by our weight or our bodies. I mean, it's probably less than 1%. And so I just, I mean, I don't know scientifically the 
exact percentage, but we definitely know it's not 80%. It's not even 50%. It's not even 30%. So getting real with people, like it's okay if like you don't love everything about your body. And I think it's still important to work to have a healthy relationship with it. So it's not impeding you from doing awesome things in your life. So anyway, I will get into this list that I created of eight things to help people um, to prevent eating disorders and negative body image in kids. This also applies to other people too, just like your partner or friends. So, um, But specifically, I wanted to make this for parents because I know that they're really interested in having their kids' best interest at heart. So here it is. Being the parent of a child with eating or body image struggles is incredibly difficult. I hear parents say things like, did I cause this? And we did everything right. I don't know why they're like this. Often parents feel helpless or frustrated that their little one can't see the amazing things in themselves that they as parents and me as a clinician can see. Additionally, parents have, a, have had a bad and misrepresented history of carrying full blame for their children's struggles. However, instead of seeing parents as the ones to blame, I typically see parents as being their child's biggest ally in healing and preventing an eating disorder. Prevention, we know, is less costly and more effective than waiting for a kiddo or child to show symptoms. So prevention is incredibly important in my field, and I would like to work myself out of a job if prevention gets to be more of a widespread thing. That would be awesome, um, even though I'd probably have to find some other ways to put food on my table. But so since it is so important, let's talk about the specific ways that you can help to prevent eating disorders and body struggles with your kids. Number one, consider your own relationship to your body and food. Do you love your body? Are you obsessing over weight or struggling to find balance with food? Dr. Dan Siegel, a famous parenting author, is famous for saying, we can only give to our children what we give to ourselves. For this reason, it is imperative that you work on your own relationship with food and your body. Work with a therapist, take a yoga class, and filter media that enforces a belief of never good enough for yourself. That's just as important as filtering it for your kiddo. I just want to say as a side note, I have a lot of parents ask me about like a book they can read or something they can do to help their kids when they are struggling with an eating disorder. And often they're really not wanting me to say things like, I think getting your own therapy or being involved in our therapy process is the best thing. They usually kind of want a quick fix or to read something or to have some sort of tool or bill and it's not that simple. And most of my parents don't want to go into therapy because the truth of the matter is it's really hard and I get that. Um, and I think there's a scariness to it. There's financial barriers. There's all sorts of different reasons that people can talk themselves out of it. But that is the number one thing I think people can do to help their kiddos when they do have issues and to help prevent those as well. Number two, don't overly focus on or talk about food, bodies, or weight. Don't make comments about others' body size, even if they are framed positively like, oh, she's so thin, or oh, she's so tan, or oh, look how pretty she is. I had one client who was very, very discouraged um, by the fact that her mom would comment on other people in a positive way. And for her, 
she saw that as being, you know, her mom saying that people being pretty or thin or tan was really significant. And so for her going through her own body image struggles, it was really hard for her to diminish that voice in her own head when she'd hear things like that from her mom. So it's not just the parents that are saying things like, oh my gosh, I'm so fat or, oh my gosh, I need to change this. It's even sometimes the way that they highlight, you know, people being thin or people being a certain way. So, you know, I'm not saying you can never, ever make those comments, but it'd be important to make more comments about people's attitudes and their character and who they are and, um, the cool things they're doing in life, even, even though I don't think, you know, what people do is what they are either. Um, but yeah, I think that people often think of, oh, it's easy to just not talk badly about bodies, but also sometimes talking too positively about them too, um, can be, can have the same effect. So the next piece is don't make disparaging comments about your own body. Children learn from what we do and how we treat ourselves and others. Number three, don't keep a scale at home. Just just don't. Because if they're struggling or, um, you know, honestly, if they're not, like I don't think it's a significant thing for them to have in their life. Um, they can encourage an overemphasis on weight and weight obsession. So, I mean, I think... It, you know, if people are really wanting to kind of make sure they're in a good space with how they're growing, well, I mean, kids don't really, outside of going to the doctor, I'm just really trying to think of a legitimate reason they need a scale. And I can't really think of any off the top of my head. That's not saying there isn't one, but for most of us, I don't think having a scale is good. I don't think it's a healthy thing. Um, yeah. Number four. When your child makes major changes in their diet, ask them questions about why they're making those changes. Are they doing it to be like other girls or boys in their class, or are they doing it for other more neutral or positive reasons? I don't think being like other people is a good reason to do a diet, um, and I, I just think it's a good way of starting a conversation with our kiddos about food and their relationship with food to ask them when you notice you know, changes in how they're eating. Number five, educate your child on how the media distorts images and overemphasizes appearance as equaling happiness. That's kind of the, the spiel I was giving earlier um, about how just we are in a culture that overemphasizes, you know, what we look like as being a part of how we feel and who we are in this world. Um, so it's really good opportunity to educate our children and use learning moments with social media to discuss how people are so much more than what they look like because we absolutely are. Number six, help your child tune into their own body signals. Don't make them finish their plate if they tell you they are full and let them eat more if they're still hungry. Don't jump on the bandwagon of the clean plate club. There's not really a ton of rules of how much a kiddo should eat. I think some people are in a battle of, you know, making their kids eat more for just, you know, wanting them to even maintain their weight sometimes. But if you can, especially as they're older, try to honor those things. And, um, yeah, I mean, it gets tricky sometimes if they're not eating their vegetables or anything outside of, like, one food group. And that's a whole different thing in and of itself. And our FID, Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder, is um, is probably not as known about with parents, which is when a kiddo is only eating like a very 
small amount of foods. Um, and usually, I mean, there's phases where kids might do that and that's some of that's somewhat normal. Um, but if your kid's doing that long term, I would, I would recommend going and seeing somebody about that. And even an eating disorder specialist who has some experience with that. It's something that's sort of new to me and I'm still training and learning and growing in that area. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. It has a lot of similar components, but it's a little different. So just want to kind of put that asterisk in there. If, if this is a long-term thing, definitely go talk to somebody about it. And even um, working with some other other health health team providers too on that, because sometimes it's like sensory issues as well. Number seven, don't suggest that losing weight or dieting is a solution to your child's anxiety, their depression, or lack of motivation. Instead, Work to have more discussions around these topics and seek professional help if they're feeling stuck in their depression or anxiety. I know that um, I think you know people see dieting sometimes as a solution to these things, and again, they're they're unhappiness. But please don't reinforce this belief with yourself or your kiddos, because losing weight does not equal those things. And in fact, I kind of um, make this joke with people that they'd probably be mad at me if I just waved a magic wand and then um, they were all of a sudden this weight that they wanted to be if they were hoping that that would make them happy. Because what they'll find is that they still have all of the emotions they had before and all of the trauma and all the fears and all their experiences and beliefs that they still had. They'll just be in a different body. That's it. It doesn't change your brain. So... Definitely reinforcing that belief that losing weight or dieting is not a solution to anxiety or unhappiness. And lastly, number eight, seek an assessment if your child is beginning to make negative comments about their body or has made distinct changes to their diet, like going vegan, or if they have marked changes in attitude around mealtimes or is engaging in dieting or diet talk. It never hurts to assess and work on the negative attitudes, behaviors, and beliefs before it leads to something more serious. So as a side note, there have been a few kiddos that I've seen and teens that maybe were more like on the fringe of potentially going over the edge and having an eating disorder, and their parents brought them in before, which was awesome. I would want to see more kiddos like this because typically when I work with those teens, It only takes about, you know, maybe a month or two, sometimes a couple of months to just work on the self-esteem and other issues to get them behaviorally in a completely safe space and to prevent the eating disorder. Prevention is less costly and less time consuming. So it's better to go ahead and get your kiddo in for a couple of months than to wait and potentially risk them having to go to a really bad space where they have to go inpatient, they have to do IOP um, or intensive outpatient or, you know, they're just having to work on stuff for, for several years. Now, I'm a big advocate for therapy for a lot of people and a lot of different reasons. I think it can be healthy for kiddos and teens to go to therapy, even if they're just struggling with some minor things. Um, and that may just mean that they see a therapist once a month. But it's just a good way for them to develop skills and learn how to speak in healthy ways and talk to their parent in healthy ways, which I'm sure is a lot more helpful than, you know, having to sometimes deal with the other, the lack of communication or, um, or communication that can be kind of hurtful. 
So I think it's really good to be able to give your kids the opportunity to build skills and develop tools for going through being a teen. Um, But especially if they're showing body image concerns or eating issues, I'm a big advocate for going ahead and doing the prevention work versus, again, having to do long-term costly therapy. So that's all I have, the big eight things that you can do as a parent or as a loved one of somebody who's struggling with this stuff to help support them or prevent eating or disordered eating and body image issues. Here's to wishing you guys all a healthy, happy relationship to food and your own body and to helping your kiddo do the same. So that was the article that I wrote, and I added a little bit of my own stuff into there. Um, But I just wanted to share that with you guys, and I hope that it was helpful for you if you're a parent or even if you're just you know, somebody who works with kids or works to influence others. These are things you can do to be a good example in our culture and to your friends. So I hope you guys enjoyed that, and I will talk with you next week.